This is ironradio.org. I'm Robert Fortney, uh, former editor at Muscle Mag, former competitive bodybuilder, and uh, current powerlifter strength enthusiast. And good afternoon, everybody. Charles Staley, along with my barking dogs, and uh, I am author of Muscle Logic, a creator of escalating density training, and I'm also a master's level weightlifter. Uh, Phil Stevens, strength coach, powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and founder of LifterHope.org. And Mario Mavridis, uh, contributing uh, contributor to uh, Muscle Insider magazine, uh, NX Labs uh, online magazine, and uh, uh, fitness enthusiast of all kinds. There you go. That's so cool. So, <laughs> Mario, we had fun having you on last time. What's what's uh, other than your uh, your new tw- your, uh, your your girls that were just born? Uh, what's uh, what's new? Well, I, a boy and a girl actually. So, but uh, thank you. Yeah, boy and a girl. Um, just been uh, uh, recently, as I mentioned in my intro, there recently got um, uh, I was asked to, to contribute some articles, actually um, an FAQ column to a new magazine that just got launched called Muscle Insider. Uh, yeah. They just launched it at the uh, at the Arnold's uh, last weekend, actually. Uh, Forty-one countries of publication, uh, two hundred thousand copies per country, or something crazy like that. Uh, some great, uh, some great authors, um, some great contributors. Um, seems like a great magazine. They're only taking uh, 25% advertising as opposed to the traditional 75% advertising space. So it uh, seems like a great magazine. I'm really excited to be working with them. So that's, my that's, understanding that's, is, is yeah. that I will be your co-contributor in that magazine, starting on issue number two, if I'm not mistaken. I had no idea. Fantastic. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. I mean, well, you how could you go how could you go wrong between uh Mario and myself? What else are you gonna need to know? Well, you don't need anybody else. Bill Roberts ah, get out of here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, thank uh, you. he's also contributing, actually he's doing some great articles there. A lot of good guys. That that, that contributors list is like reads like a who's who of the fitness industry. Yeah, I'm 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 honored to be even considered, so so that's great. So we're talking about E D T today, I think, huh? Is that, is, that yeah, the, talk, is that the subject matter? Sure. Talk about EDT, that, that, talk about anything you like. Is that where we're going with all this? What was that? Is that where we're going with all this? I, I'm having a, I, We're having a hectic week here, so you have to bring me yeah. uh, up to snuff here. No, absolutely. Um, <laughs> well, Mario, you had, you had written me and said you had a, a specific topic you wanted to talk, talk yeah, about. Yeah, I, I thought we were – my one of the things that – last time we spoke, Charles, we, um, uh, we, were, we started talking about – we're talking a little bit about what makes a good trainer, uh, and we kind of hashed out about uh, what makes a good trainer, technically speaking, and we, I think we, we pretty much spoke to that very well. What I was hoping to do today, and what I've been asked a lot of questions about, and, um, and I get it kind of weekly across my desk here, is how do you succeed in this business? Like, how do you, as a trainer, how do you get business? How do you generate uh, business? How do you, um, you know, that kind of thing? I, I thought that'd be something we could we could discuss. I mean. You've got a very successful business going on down there in Arizona. Uh, I'd like to think I run a pretty good uh, shop up here in in, uh, in Ontario and, and, and just north of Toronto here. Um, so I thought perhaps we could all kind of throw our uh, our relative yeah. thinking caps on and, and, and give some advice to some people. I love it. And I, the first thing that just jumps to my mind, and, and we can maybe use this as a jumping off point, is that the skill set required to be a good trainer or a good coach uh, has almost no overlap with the skill set of being a good entrepreneur. They are just so entirely different. That's exactly and, uh, it, yeah. yeah. So people I, want to I, explore I, that topic a little further. You know, you should get the book called uh, e- The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. 
Okay. And that will that will elucidate the differences between being a technician, meaning mm -hmm. somebody who is good at doing something, whether it's training people or cutting hair or building uh, houses or painting or whatever it is, and being an entrepreneur, which is you know how you build a business around that. And uh, that's the tricky part, I think. And I do think there are a lot of people out there who get into training because they love training. Absolutely. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of those people don't succeed, even though they are, in many cases, the best trainers or coaches out there, but they don't have the skill set that's required to build a business. Yeah, that's that's absolutely it. You, you see that all the time. Um, again, not just in this business, in, in any business. Uh, in a previous life, I was uh, I, I fancied myself um, a performer, a stage performer, and not that kind. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, a classically trained musician. And so we... Um, uh, and, and again, you see it where you have the, these amazing musicians, these amazing, highly passionate, motivated people, but they just couldn't make that leap from uh, a technician to to marketing themselves. And yet you see people with, with a fraction of the talent, a fraction of the ability, being incredibly successful in their household names now. What's the difference? Um, and I think a lot of it is, yes, being in the right place at the right time and being lucky, but also how you position yourself to take advantage of that situation. And that's where the entrepreneurial thinking and, and leadership and guidance comes into play. I can remember back to when I was a martial arts instructor, and I used to have this little saying that there's an inverse proportion between your skill as a martial arts instructor and how successful you are in the business. And that's kind of a poor way to put it, but it, again, it just kind of calls into, into play this idea that, you know, if you're spending all your time being a good martial arts instructor by, by default, you're not putting any time into being a good business person. And um, I used to always just notice that uh, some of the, the most successful martial arts businesses were run by instructors who were terrible martial arts instructors. And by the way, I, I, don't, I don't mean to put a, a negative slant on this. You can be both. You can be great at what you do as, mm -hmm. a, as a coach or, or, or an instructor, and you can have a great business behind that too. And, and uh, you need to be both, right, because – you're not helping anybody. I mean, a lot of trainers and coaches are very altruistic, yeah. and they get into this because they want to help people. But if if you don't have a good business, you're not going to be helping a lot of people because you don't have you don't have many clients. That, that that's I mean that you hit it on the head. You you do absolutely need to both unless unless you recognize and this is very difficult for many people to recognize their limitations as a technician, but use their uh, their talent as an entrepreneur yeah. or a business person yeah. and yeah. then hire on others who are better technicians to do the job yeah. and provide the service yeah. that you just can't. Yeah. Or, or Mario, or vice versa. Or vice versa, uh, of course. Decide, yeah. decide you're going to be a good technician and get people around you who can help you run the business, which is kind of the case for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm conversant about entrepreneurialism and marketing and branding and all those things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I'm interested in the subject – but it is not in my bones, and uh, it's just, you know, so you go one way or the other. That's That's, exactly uh, I, mean, I was going to totally agree on that. And coming both from from the coaching aspect and then as my aspect as a professional artist. You oh, know, yeah, that's right. I was a hell of an artist, and I still am, but I would not sell. And I knew that. And that was definitely my, my shortcoming. And, you know, but I, I at least recognize that, and I tell the gallery owners, you know, I'm not selling. You know, people come to act like they're going straight to you. It's not my job to sell. It's my job to create. My job exactly to do the yeah. work. So. Yeah. 
and and it takes it takes a real uh, and this is the bit of advice I, I always give uh, tra- prospective trainers or when they come through my uh, to my desk there it's you got to be introspective you got to look at yourself and say okay what are my strengths what are my weaknesses how am I going to capitalize on my strengths whilst complementing my weaknesses with someone else's strengths so I can build a team uh, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was. Uh, Jeez, I think it might have been like 10th or 11th grade where uh, some history teacher said to me, because I, I made some offhand comment about I wanted to, you know, to rule the world someday, and you know, jokingly, and, and he said, well, just make sure you hire people smarter than you. At first I thought he was insulting me, and then I stopped and I thought about it, and that makes perfect sense. You've got, you want to surround yourself with people who are better than you, so one, you can grow, and two, how, how, how else, I mean, why, why would you try to do everything yourself? There's always going to be someone better at you than at something, you know, at, at, at your weaknesses. Okay. We all have weaknesses. Hire people who are smarter. Get them around you. Work with them. That's that's how you succeed. That's how you build a good team. And I've always I mean, lived by that. It seems to work out quite well. I think, you know, you can relate all this back to training, too. How do you get stronger? Bingo. You get people stronger than you. Yeah, yeah. bingo. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Oh. You know, if you're if you're the biggest dude at the gym, strongest dude at the gym, uh, everybody wants to train with you all the time, and then you're like, well, but you end up you end up you you end up lowering your bar literally uh, for for them to play catch up. So it's great for them, but you end up getting weaker or smaller or whatever the case may be. Feel that. So what, one thing I wanted to to touch on was a lot of the um, – I, I know I've been under a lot of pressure recently to kind of get, get an online presence, a, a, a website going on, um, you know, marymarides.com or, or whatever, something like that. And I've traditionally resisted uh, for various reasons. I wanted to kind of touch on that because there's a lot of online marketers. There's a lot of, of, of uh, people doing some really amazing things online right now. And I thought that that's something – uh, that we could touch on, because I know you guys, uh, Charles and Phil, you guys had some tremendous success uh, with that. Um, perhaps you care to kind of talk about that a little bit. I don't know. I don't know if we feel that success. But we actually uh, have our, our, web, our websites being revamped right as we speak, and oh, we're, wow. we're looking in six weeks of, of rolling out a new site that's just going to be, I'm confident, just uh, head and shoulders above anything we've ever done in the past, and okay. some really great technology, but. You know, we make the same mistakes that a lot of people make, and uh, a lot of times, you know, for the same reason that you should uh, not coach yourself, sometimes, mm-hmm. you, you know, you have proximity bias to your own stuff. And, you know, I can remember sitting down with um, Josh uh, Lehman, who uh, oh, yeah. we hired a couple of months ago, and he's he's taking me through the site. He's like, Charles, the site is crap. Look at this. Look at all this stuff going on. And, and as I look at it through his work, I'm like, wow, you're just totally right. So. You know, you can you can really kind of lose um, perspective, and uh, I think one of the there, there's two things about online marketing that I think are, are super important, and the one is is that um, the the purpose of the web as a medium is interactivity. So, um, you know, when the, when the World Wide Web first came out in the late '80s, early '90s, uh, people used to try to fashion it around things that were familiar. So, um, you know, uh, some, some websites would be text-based, and, and that was based on print media, and others would try to uh, make it more like TV, you know. But, you know, the print media is a, is a visual medium. Radio is an auditory medium. Uh, television is a visual medium. 
But the web at its best is really none of those things. It really is an interactive medium. It's, and that's its strength, you know, isn't it? That's, that's, that's what makes it powerful. And if you're, if you're not using, if you're not, you know, taking advantage of that, and if you're using it as simply a visual medium, I think you're making a mistake. And, and uh, so I think that is important. And the other thing that I think is important is if you're going to put up a website, you need to be clear about what you want that site to accomplish. Yes. And there are a number of things that you could do with a website. You could use it to educate people. You know, you could use it for altruistic purposes. You could use it to credentialize yourself and to, you know, or to pump up your ego or something. Mm -hmm. You could use it as a place where people could just simply find you. Uh, you can use it to sell things. Uh, you can use it to collect leads. Um, so I think it's important to be really clear. And I, I think the more things you try to do simultaneously, the less successful you're probably going to be. So the more you can narrow that list down, I think the better off. Um, you're going to be. Oh, I mean, one of the thing, yeah, Charles, this is something that's been very uh, – we've been talking about a lot. And um, you know, I think it boils down to the number one thing people need to do is, like you're telling them with their website, is what does it want to do? What do you want it to do? And then also you need to ask that of yourself. What are you good at? What are you trying to accomplish? I think most people out there, especially in this industry, have a problem with the, the message they're trying to get across is a bit is, is cloudy. You look at the people that are the best and most successful in this business, their message, their marketing message is very clear. You look at somebody like you know our good friend Mark Ripto, everything he does has a resounding theme. You know exactly what Ripto is about. And you need to create your website, your presence. That's what you do. You need to create everything around that internal message. Sure, you can do other things, but, you know, your bread and butter is this, and you have to have that theme across every video you put out, every audio you put out, every website you put out, every article. This is no doubt about it. Just today, it's funny because that, there's a lot of carryover to what you just said there as it relates to, again, even your your business one-on-one -on -one with people. Um, when you're working with a client, I mean, you, you, you don't just assume a client and then just start training them for any particular purpose. It's, there's always a specific goal. So you need some kind of quantifiable, qualifiable measure to, to compare against, uh, to, me to measure success as you go forward. And the same idea with the metrics used in, in a website. Um, you know, is it, is it number of hits? Is it transactions? Is it views? Is it downloads? Is it whatever? Um, and, and that has to tie back to your central theme, as you just mentioned there, Phil. It's, it's what, what do I want to do? What am I going to do with my client? What am I going to do with my website? What am I going to do with my business? Who do I want to be? You know, uh, I tell my trainers here uh, at the at the club here. Uh, I've got 25 of them. I say, the most successful of you, and and there's a huge disparity between my my top 20% and my bottom 20%. Um, you know, the the top 20% are successful because they know what they want to be. They found a niche, and they've even within the little microcosm of our gym here have been able to to eke it out and say, this is who I'm going to market to. And it's quite interesting. It's it's really fascinating. You got this little, this kind of closed ecosystem of of trainers. That if you expand it uh, macrocosmically, now you're looking at you know what's going on on the web. Everybody's, you know, trying to be known as the you know oh the abs guy or the the, the Swiss ball guy or the the barbell guy. And 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 it's it's kind of neat, but it works. So I think specificity is very very important. You can't be all things to all people. 
you'll lose. And you won't be let taken me, seriously. Let me put something out there, and, and let me ask everybody to respond to this. Tell me if you think this is true or not. Because we are all in the business you know, of fitness and strength training on one level or another. Is it, would you say it's true that bottom line, our, all of our goals, what we're all trying to do is modify people's behavior? Think that's true? Bottom oh, yeah. line, when it all comes down to it, are we uh, not trying to modify people's behavior? We're trying to change and optimize the way people go about the way they train and eat. Is, do you think that's true? Yeah, I, absolutely. Uh, I, I think I agree with that, that statement wholeheartedly. I mean, uh, on the surface, we're affecting their bodies, uh, their performance, but ultimately, the only way we can do that is if they internalize our message to affect uh, their, their their motivation for, for, for that action through behavior. So absolutely. Uh, some cases more subtle than others, uh, what, leading yeah. by example or whatnot, but, but that's exactly it. I, I 100% on that one. Do you, do you agree, Rob? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, if you don't get first to the, you know, the, the, the gray matter first and kind of work through yeah. that, I mean, the, the long-term benefit and success is probably going to be massively hampered, yeah. I'm thinking about the people that we've had recently on as guests. Uh, we recently had Gray Cook and Brett Jones on, and they wrote a manual about the kettlebell getup. I think they're trying to modify people's behavior. They're trying to they're trying to say, hey, you could benefit by doing this. We had uh, Jim Wendler, who wrote the book 531. Mm-hmm. He's trying to modify your behavior, saying, hey, this is a better program. You know, I think... Uh, I think it. I personally think it kind of applies across the board when you bring it down to its uh, common denominator. Yeah, well, I'm saying that that boils down to then. You know, I'd argue that if you want somebody to modify their behavior according to your set of parameters, yeah, you better be able to very clearly portray those parameters and make it very convincing. Again, focus on what you do and what you want and convince them that my way is the best way. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think another way of putting that, too, is, um, or the flip side of explaining that is, you know, you have to illuminate a problem in, in, the, in your end person's existing behavior. <laughs> there would be no point in modifying your behavior if it was optimal already. So yeah. I think our job as marketers is to show you, hey, you have a problem that you may not even be aware of. Uh, if I was selling an ebook called 531, I think I'd be trying to do that. I'd be trying yeah. to say, you know what? You think the training you're doing is working, but I got something better. Uh, you've got to you've got to illuminate a deficiency in that person's current behavior in order to convince them to modify that behavior. And I think that's our goal as marketers. If, if well, you're selling. Who's the annoying telemarketer guy on TV with the slap chops and the the squeegee thing? And who's you know you must know who I'm talking about. Uh, do, Bill, is that ringing a bell? The guy with the what what is that called? That that uh, uh, you don't this isn't ringing a bell for anybody. What, say what? again? Sorry, repeat it again. He's got this cooking thing that it's called a slap chop. And then oh, got, that like, slap chop, Vince, whatever his name is. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, what I'm talking TV. about. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's. I mean, you know, he's trying to. His his job is to show you that you know you have a need for this thing that you didn't even know existed until right now. That's you've got it. Yeah. You've got that. That's job number one. But I mean, that's sales one hundred and one. I mean, you 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 find the you find the pain, and you identify. You help the right, the, right the, the 
you, you find the, you take the prospect, you identify their pain, uh, you help them identify the pain, and then you give them the salve for that pain. I can yeah. make your pain go away. I can make you feel better if you do this with me, you know, whatever that is, or if you buy my product or my service. And that, yeah, that's just, that's just basic sales 101, but it's remarkable how many trainers just don't get it. Uh, just this morning, I was having a discussion with one of my trainers. She's an amazing trainer. Her passion uh, uh, for what she does is fantastic. So I sat here, and she was t- talking about her training. And I sat here, I was asking her, well, what are you doing? What are you trying to accomplish? And she kept on telling me, the, pr- reiterating the, the, uh, and repeating the process she was undergoing. I said, no, don't tell me the workout. Don't, don't tell me the process. I want to know why you're doing it. Because she was complaining that she didn't feel motivated anymore in, in the gym. So I said, okay, so what are you doing? Why are you doing it? And again, it was process, process, process. I said, get away from, from the process. Tell me what is your motivation for trying to do whatever it is that you're trying to do. She couldn't give me an answer. And we, we went back and forth for about 30 minutes. And finally I said to her, listen, this is why your numbers, her, her revenue generation, at least relative to my business here, aren't where they're supposed to be. Because if you can't answer that question for your own training goals, how are you going to help someone who comes to you as an expert, to you as an expert, to help them with their training goals? You're just arbitrarily throwing exercises at them. You're arbitrarily you know, laying out movements and, 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 and goals. There's nothing specific to them, so they're not going to identify with it. And it, it's typical because, for example, where, whereas my average uh, trainers will bring in, uh, you know, session counts uh, 30, 40, or 50 at a time, she comes in with 8 to 10 to 12, you know, because it's, oh, I just teach you how to work out, just teach you how to work out, just to get started, to get started. I hate that. Don't sell yourself short as a trainer. If you think you can teach someone everything you know in, in, in 8 to 12 hours of training, then maybe you ought to reconsider yourself as a trainer, and maybe you ought to get some training so you can improve and actually have something to teach somebody of value. So this is what it comes down to. Find the pain, offer the solution. But you can only do that if you ask the hard questions. Which brings me to the next thing, and, I, and, and I'm sure that you guys have come across this. When someone comes to you in a consultative approach, before they're a client, as a prospective client, what's the process you undergo with them? Because I think this is really important for up-and-coming trainers, people who, who really want to, um, uh, to build their business. This is, this is how I built my business here, and it works very well, but I just, it's, it's amazing how many don't actually do it. So what, what's the process you guys undergo in that situation? Well, I guess that's on my shoulder, so I gotta, you know, the funny thing is, is that uh, that, that process is, uh, is uh, orchestrated by, in most cases, uh, Julianne, who does our, our telephone sales. And so, you know, and, and this goes back to what we were talking earlier on. If, if you can get a team around you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, either you got to be able to sell or you got to get somebody who can sell for you. Absolutely. So, you know, she, in my case, um, it's the person who handles incoming uh, requests and inquiries, mm-hmm. and you know her 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 process is to you know to gather data initially and to see where somebody's coming from, and you know she's trying to find where their pain is to use the uh, to use the, the the phrase that you just used earlier, and mm-hmm. she's just trying to see you know uh, the, what their starting point is and what they're looking to accomplish, and uh, if it's a good fit, then. Then we uh, then we bring them aboard, and, and not everybody is a good fit. And by the way, that's why that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur. You can indeed cherry pick your clients as you should, because 
not every trainer is a good match for every client, and that's the way it should be. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things uh, that we that we do um, we do well, uh, and I've used this this system um, at various gyms uh, throughout uh, the city up here. Uh, actually, this is uh, even I don't know, Rob, but that's where we first met when I was doing this for you as a trainer. Um, uh, was we do a, we take a consultative approach. So the the I work at a commercial gym, a large commercial facility uh, that we run here for uh, a family that owns it. Um, People come in, they they, start, they buy a membership, and then they we we stream them into a fitness consultation, what we call it. Now this is where we do the standard testing, the the body composition, um, you know, the the VO2 max, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all that stuff. Um, we we actually use the Polar Body H system. It's kind of neat, but it's gimmicky. Any event, so we use that. But the most important thing that we do, and one of the most difficult things that we do, is we ask. My consultants, and I have two of them, um, we ask the question, why? Why are you here? Now, this sounds like such a simple question, and it really is, but the answer is almost is so complicated because people join a gym for various reasons, and the reality is they won't always tell you why they join the gym because, one, they may not know, but primarily it's because they're afraid to tell you. Because if they tell you and they put it out there, now there's some kind of ownership of that goal. That's right. And they can't. And, and if they tell you, they can't make excuses for their failure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this you, is it. This is it. Yeah. And now you're because you, you commit at least to yourself. But any event. So w- where my consultants are very good at is by virtue of digging. But the challenge is digging whilst being tactful and not 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 uh, offensive or insulting. And genuinely sincere. So this is this is what I say to, to everybody that comes through, and, and uh, again, all prospective trainers out there to listen to this. When you're meeting with a prospective client, you have to put their needs first. Notice I said their needs, not their wants, because what they want and what they need are more often than not two completely different things. You're the expert. You should be able to take what they say they want and translate it into what they need based on, on your interpretation of, you know, your understanding of physiology, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and able to then look at them sincerely and honestly say, great, I'm going to need to see you for X number of sessions, X number of hours in order to accomplish this goal. Now, whatever formula you use, there's, there's you know, literally hundreds of different formulas to determine rate of weight gain or fat loss over time for men and women, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's not nearly as important as that you simply have a formula in front of you to use. One, it makes you look good, gives you credibility, and two, you have a timeline. Because let's face it, very, very few people are going to come to you as prospective clients and say, I want you to train me ad ad nauseum. They're going to want a timeline. They're going to want to know where am I going to be in five weeks, in six weeks, in, in, in 15 weeks? Where am I going to be? And then if you use this formula, you can kind of say, great, here's, here's what I anticipate, assuming you're doing everything, et cetera, et cetera. That's a very powerful tool. And it, it amazes me how many facilities and, and other gyms don't do it. Um, again, in, in, in my area, a, very, a small town north of, uh, of Toronto, we have an inordinate number of, of, of gyms in the area. So the competition is super high, yet we've still managed in our facility, mind you, we've been here the longest and we're the largest, we've managed to, to eke out um, 
a training facility, a, a training business, like I said, with 25 trainers, two fitness consultants. Our next nearest competitor has six trainers. So that we must be doing something right. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. You know, and the reason is simple. We ask people why they're here as opposed to assuming why they're here or imposing our belief system on them as to why they joined the gym. You know, there, there's one of the largest fitness chains in Canada, actually the largest fitness chain in Canada, and I think they're ranked 11th in size in the world, according to the last rankings I read. Uh, they just opened just down the street from us, maybe a kilometer and a half uh, or so, about a mile for you Americans, uh, <laughs> down the street. Um, and, I mean, that's a big deal. That, that, uh, we, we felt that. We felt that when they first opened last year. But now we're finding people are coming back to us because, yes, they're flashy gym, they've got all the great news equipment, all the, the video screens and, and lights and sound, et cetera, et cetera. But people are going there and being stranded. They're buying their memberships, and they're turned out onto the gym floor on their own. What we do is we promote fitness. We talk about the, 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 the sensibility of fitness, the lifestyle, not just, here, go hit the treadmill, do your thing. It doesn't work. So that's our latest campaign is what we're doing, real results, real people, and we're using some internal um, successes that we're putting out into the, into the uh, uh, marketplace here. And it's working very well. But that's just it. Again, find out what the people want, sincerely try to help them, and they will buy. They will spend the money with you if they believe you, if you've done a good job of convincing them of your sincerity, which, if you are a professional, shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Wouldn't you say as well that most trainers, um, this, I think we've kind of touched on it, they, they, they make a fault by not pushing themselves as an educator. Above all, I mean, I think we, we're more than, you have to market yourself as more than just a pin pusher. Mm -hmm. You have to show that you are... I know things. You are coming to me, sure, to reach these goals, but I'm going to teach you how to reach these goals as well. You know, because anybody, I can go to, you know, if I want a pin pusher, I can go to anybody out there. I can go to Jillian Michaels. She can make me sweat and perk. You know, I think you really have to continually educate yourself, learn more, fit that new learning into who and what you are trying to accomplish, and be able to portray that to your clients and show, hey, look, I am. I know this stuff. This is what I bring to the table. I am going to not only help you reach your goals, but you know, educate you along the way. This is what we spoke about a little bit last time, um, Charles. You and I, which is about identifying the appropriateness. Um, one of the things, uh, actually, I recently I recently started working on uh, on a second uh, master's degree. And uh, in, in one of the classes, the, the, the fellow talking about, um, the professor talking about exercise physiology, um, uh, the, the, like a general component of it, was he, he made the statement that at first I, I, I didn't understand at all. He said, exercise isn't good. Exercise is not good. And I kind of went, what? What are we all here for then? And then, and then he went on to, to, to qualify that saying, let me clear clear. Not all exercise is good for all people. So again, looking at what people consider exercise now, when you when you talk talk to the average layperson, what does exercise mean? 
what does working out mean? You hit it on the head there, uh, Phil, which is you, you, you think Jillian Michaels and this Bob dude uh, from The Biggest Loser, where they, they, they're touted as the greatest trainers in the world, or in America certainly, because they scream the loudest. Again, I, 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 it boggles my mind. I watch this, and I'm not going to get on a, on, on a rant about that, but where is the appropriateness? If you're a trainer and a client comes to you, whether they're bariatric or, or obese or weak or there's a performance component to their training or uh, whatever, some other kind of ailment and concern or pain, if we will, uh, what do you do as a trainer to identify what their needs are, going back to their wants and needs? If I take that, to use the biggest loser analogy again, if I take that 450-pound you know, land yacht that's walking around uh, on, on peg legs, um, you know, lumbering about, and I say, great, and I assume that person wants to lose weight, and I assume that that person wants to do it as quickly as possible, and I assume all these things about a, a, a morbidly obese person, whether I'm right or wrong doesn't matter. What I need to do is figure out what do they want to do, what are they capable of doing, and how am I going to help them do it appropriately and safely? Again, yeah. sincere, genuine concern. That will sell it every time if, if, you're, if you mean it, as opposed, to impo- as opposed to saying, here's what you should do. Hear them out. Um, you know, what, what's the, the, the trite uh, comment? Um, we have two ears and one mouth. Right? We were supposed to listen yeah. twice as much as we speak. And this is it. How many trainers stop and actually listen to their prospect, to their client, and actually do what's required for that person? Well, I, you know, I think it also comes down to the fact that to have that ability takes a lot of education and learning and maturity. To yeah. not want to impose your goals on somebody else, but to actually help someone reach their own and have the smarts to know how to do that. That, that, you just said a mouthful. <laughs> that's, I mean, boils back down to, hey, you're not as smart as you think you are. Keep learning. That's for sure. That's you for know. sure. Yeah. That's that's for sure. I mean, I... No, I, I, no go ahead. What was that? No, that was me, but I just said go ahead. I, I thought oh, you okay. Saying, oh, yeah. sorry. I didn't hear that. Um, you know, it's, it's just that. I, I'm amazed. I, we, we, I'm amazed at, at, first of all, the I mean, you, we can't have this discussion about being successful in the training industry or the fitness industry without talking a little bit about, again, what makes a good trainer. And uh, it, it, it never ceases to amaze me how many people out there who consider themselves trainers are completely unqualified to lay their hands on another human being uh, and direct them in the, in the intricacies and, and vagaries and, uh, of, of, of resistance training. It's, it's completely unethical and professional. Yet because they have a piece of paper that's on the wall that says, I completed a, a weekend course and answered 20 questions online, I'm a certified personal trainer. I can tell you how to do this stuff. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's sad is what it is. So and 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 to people who, who you know like 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 those like like those like, like you Charles for example and you Phil you guys you guys make make your your life studying and learning and growing and 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 constantly pushing the envelope and examining the literature examining the long held beliefs um, to find out what works and what doesn't that's that's what you have to do and this is what I tell people you want to be successful read read everything question everything. And by the way, that should not be a that should not be an effort. I mean, you know, no. there's a difference between passion and and, uh, and discipline. And 
you know, I'm not unique in saying this, but I just don't think discipline cuts it. Like, you know, you, you just, you have to, you have to be compelled to do what you do. Yeah. yeah. Which is one, one of discipline. Thing. That's the opposite of discipline. Discipline means you got to find a way to make yourself do it. Com Indeed. Being compelled means it, it, you know, you can't help but to do that. You have to hate not knowing the answer. That's yeah. what I say to people. I, I hate not knowing the answer to anything. I, I just think that's the only thing that's going to give you the energy to succeed. And by the way, regardless of if you're a coach or a trainer or a musician yeah. or a car mechanic or anything else, you have to be consumed by it. Uh, you know, it, it can't be something that you have to push yourself to do. I think that's probably a sign that you're in the wrong field if you have to push yourself to do it. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. But this is the—I mean, this is the other part of it. And uh, I'm going to say this as a service to all of us who genuinely are, are, are trying to make a, a, a go of a, a, an, a, an honest living in this business. For those of you out there who are not—who are looking at being a trainer until you become a police officer, a firefighter, an actor, a model, or whatever it is you're going to be, or a teacher, whatever you're going to be—spare us. Spare all of us. Just don't. Go. Go be a waiter somewhere. Go 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 wash dishes somewhere. Go do something else. Don't enter this arena, this field, for those of us that genuinely care about it, and dilute dilute the offerings and confuse the populace that uh, that that, that uh, um, you, as someone who's done this weekend course, and and I, who've who's made my life out of this uh, out, out of this business, um, are the same, are one and the same. It's like when people say to me, oh, hey, are you a trainer? I cringe every time. I cringe every time because it's, it's kind of like, uh, how, what do you say to that? I, I'm, I'm the same. I, you can't compare someone who spent a decade or more studying and learning and growing to someone who just did a weekend course and all of a sudden they're the same title. That's ridiculous. Yes. But yet here we are. So, I mean, that's my soapbox. I'm off it now. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just so important. It's it's so frustrating to 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 see that, and and it's not that's not ego talking. That's just a, a genuine concern and and passion for for this business. It it's, makes me crazy. Oh yeah, I mean I think you can notice in this industry if you're in this industry long enough, you know, even a couple of years, and you genuinely care. I mean, like you said, you can you can spot it right away. It's the people. You have to genuinely want to know and care what your client wants to reach. And you can spot that looking at any trainer. I mean, you can spot the person that's imposing their punishment on somebody as compared to the person who is actually helping someone reach their goals. And uh, I don't It's know. Easy, easy to make people hurt, you know. It's just Easy yeah, well, your not too long ago about you know something like a monkey can induce pain or something like that. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, that's that's you know that's uh, <laughs> the, the what what is uh, I had a, a a quote from a former athlete of mine on my Facebook page that I I won't be able to come up with identically here, but uh, you know people you know uh, making people hurt is just the, the the common fallback for people who don't have skill. You know, basically. Oh, my gosh. That's brilliant. I love that. I mean, I mean, you know, it's just that's where if you don't have skill, that's what you resort to is making people uncomfortable and hurting. And that's not to say that your clients should not be uncomfortable and hurting at times, but uh, that, that's not the goal. So, yeah, uh, that's the difference. It's a byproduct. Yeah. 
again, it, it, it all comes down to appropriateness. Call it whatever you want. Do whatever, you know, whatever activity, whatever style of training, whatever you want to use. It's wonderful to have all those tools in your, in your kit and on your tool belt. But you have to make the appropriate choices. And to make those appropriate choices, it comes back down to that initial consultation. You know, the one that you do at the very beginning that identifies that when you lay out your vision for their development based on their requirements, then as you progress is constant reevaluation, constant checking against the baseline, and constant assessment of that person as they develop, as they grow, as they change. Because what you did yesterday with them does not mean, just because, sorry, just because you did something with them yesterday does not mean they can do that same thing today. Because they're different. They're a different person today, physiologically. Let's not make assumptions. Well, you know? if you're if you're if you're any good as a coach, they're different. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 of course. Well, yeah, but I mean, what he's getting at. I mean, I agree one hundred percent. I've written several articles on it, you know, and it's you know, it's it's sort of internally us, me as an athlete. When I go into the gym, say it's deadlift day, I deadlifted seven hundred and fifty at a meet. Um, I have no right to walk in and expect, just because I have done that before, mm-hmm. I have just automatically earned this right to always do that. I have to start at the bar and assess myself and earn the way up. you got to do the same thing with your client. You know, every day is a different day. And, so, uh, you know, I don't know. The hierarchy to me is, you know, number one, it's safety, and then it's efficiency. Once those two are filled – and met by your client or yourself, then you can work on strength and progression to the goal. Yeah. But every day you have to address those things. Is this safe? Am I doing this efficiently? And then, okay, I got both those built. Now let's kick some butt. Yeah. One of the things that we do here that we've instituted um, is uh, we use, and I, I don't remember if I mentioned it before, but we use something called a, a, a MAT jumpstart assessment. MAT stands for Muscle Activation Techniques. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a neuromuscular assessment tool uh, that helps identify muscular uh, weaknesses and imbalances, um, limitations to range of motion and, and muscular inhibition. Uh, it takes, we do strictly a lower body one before every single appointment. Every single time a client comes in to work out with you, each of my trainers will take four or five minutes. It doesn't take long when, when, you're, when you get good at it. To do a quick lower body assessment, um, you know, do you have the, the most? Do you have the range here? Do you have the range there? You know, let's let's flex and, and abduct your leg. Do you have the internal rotation, external rotation? Yep, good, good. Knee flexion, hip. Okay, perfect, perfect, perfect. You're stable in these positions. You're strong. Great. Now we can load you. Now we can put you under a bar. Now we can put a, we can put a weight in your hands that's going to change the dynamic of your body. So that we have, a, so we're always starting from a relatively balanced position, as opposed to putting them, you know, taking somebody with a muscular imbalance and then loading them up and creating all kinds of compensatory movement patterns and simply exacerbating the weaknesses and the differences, I should say, between the weakness and the strengths. So this is something that we do, and this is something that I, I again, it's, it's, you want to impress your clients, you want to build your business, you want people to come to you, take care of your clients, make them feel, make them healthy, keep them healthy. Because yes, any like uh, again to reiterate what we said earlier, any monkey can hurt a client, can hurt a, a, a trainer, a trainee. But do they come back to you for more? Like why do they come back for more? Is either they're masochists, 
uh, or uh, or they, uh, they they're genuinely getting some kind of benefit. But I'd suggest if you're continually hurting your clientele, I'd be, I'd wonder how much real forward progression they're making. Yeah, yeah. I think I think your analogy to your to the ears was perfect. I mean, I think that leads through to any anybody that's successful in life or anybody that's not. You know, the ones that are most successful are using their ears and eyes a lot more than their mouth, you know, yeah. two to threefold. And you got to do the same thing with your clients on a daily basis. you got to watch them and, number one, listen to them. I mean, if somebody comes to you and they're, you know, you got to hear them out every day. Are you tired? Are you beat up? Does something hurt? And, and make the adjustments that day to fit the goal. I mean, if somebody's aching and losing sleep and this and that, I mean, have the decency and the know, I mean, the knowledge that, it's not my job to kick his ass today. It's going to be better off if I do something to fix that. You know, even even having to, at times you may tell that person, go home. Go home, yeah. You know, yeah, you're going to lose a paycheck maybe that day, but you're going to have a client for a long time. Bingo. That's, that's one of the most powerful things you can say to your client. How are you feeling? Hey, you know what? We tested your road today. You know, the range isn't there. What's going on? Oh, you know what? Uh, I, I was up all late last night. I didn't drink a lot of water. I didn't eat much this, today. Uh, my, my, my boss was kicking my butt all over the office today. I had a really bad day. You know what? Maybe just go home and get some rest. Yeah. You're clearly, this isn't good. You're, you're testing out weak. Go home. Get some rest. We'll take this over. We'll pick this up again the next day. Yeah. Hey, that client has just realized, wow, you're not in it for the paycheck. You're there to take <laughs> care of him or her. Exactly. You know, they don't do that on The Biggest Loser, though. No, they don't. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I, oh, anyway, don't get me started on that. <laughs> oh man, but that's I, that's that's a really powerful thing. And then you see that that I think that's part of it. People get into this business, and and this is something that uh, that some one of my mentors said to me years ago. Most, not most, a lot of the people that get into this business get into it because. You know, they were successful athletes in high school or, or, or in college, in university, and they thought, hey, you know what? It'd be fun to be a trainer or, or some kind of, a coach of some kind. That'd be a lot of fun. I enjoyed working out. I can, I can motivate people to do that and all that good stuff. Great. But without realizing that there's a lot more to it, you know, I, 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 think, I think that it's, it's like anything when something comes easy to you because you're a gifted athlete or, or, or a gifted musician or artist or whatever, you may not fully appreciate what goes into training, what goes into working hard to, um, uh, to overcome certain, certain challenges. And therefore, you may not be the best person, the mo- you may not have the most objective viewpoint when dealing with someone. Hey, uh, someone with an injury or not as talented as you. Uh, well, uh, you know, uh, Steve, uh, I, I, I could deadlift. If I was Phil, for example, I, hey, I could deadlift 750 pounds. Why can't you? Yeah. Uh, you know, I've never picked up a pick of a barbell before, uh, Phil. Uh, maybe, oh, come on, Steve. Uh, you know, it's, it's not the kind of thing that you, you should be, <laughs> that, that we should be promoting. But you, but you hit it on the head there, Phil. It's, it's study. It's perseverance. Yeah. Well, just because as an athlete in practice you're wonderful at something doesn't mean you're a good coach. I mean, uh, was, I mean, yeah, that's. In fact, I mean, often the, the best athletes make the worst coaches, don't they? And and quite truthfully, I mean, you know, my forte is actually the training. But as a trainer, I consider myself to be modest. You know, that, I don't that's, consider myself to be a wonderful trainer. I really don't. I mean, am I, you know, mechanically sound in what I do? 
Yes, very much so. You know, and like I say, I, I consider my my expertise to be mostly in, you know, execution and in the actual mechanics of training. But you know, as a, a trainer itself, I, I don't consider myself to be anything better than just modest. Um, you know, but I, I mean, I know I know lots of people who are much much better trainers than I that that don't know half as much as I know, but they're much better trainers. Um, you know, and I've seen that across sets. the board with other sports as well. I mean, you know, from everything from hockey onward. I mean, it, it's, I mean, it can be the case, but just because like you're a very successful athlete doesn't mean you're going to make a, a good coach or a good trainer for sure. And no, that's and, really you know, important. 90% of the time, it's the person, you know, you look around for the person that's in pretty darn good condition, pretty darn good standing in whatever they're going for, but has had to work the hardest to get there. Yeah, that, that, oh, my gosh, that's <laughs> you know, exactly it, yeah. Uh, they had to work the hardest to be pretty good, not the yeah. guy that is damn good and it didn't take much to get there. Yeah, that's right. exactly because that, that guy probably won't be able to help you if you're if yeah. if, if you're of average genetic potential. That guy's probably not going to help you very much. Yeah, and I remember I, mean, I was once at a Dory Yates bar and somebody asked him about his calves and says, "What do you do for your calves?" He said, "Don't ask me. My calves were awesome before I even started training them. Ask somebody who has pretty good calves and they had pencil calves when they started. You know, yeah. same." Exactly. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's a like when you were on your soapbox, Mario. Just <laughs> you got to have a passion for the business, or don't even get into it. Yeah. I mean, me, I. The whole reason I came to this field is I'm. I was in an art, an art background. I got a bachelor's degree in art. I went and I was getting my master's in, in art, and I, I received that master's, but I turned to this business afterwards. Why? Because through three years of master study, I was spending four times the amount of time studying, you know, nutrition and kinesiology and athletic movement than I was my, my master's degree. <laughs> and it was like, hey, wake the hell up. You're in the wrong field, yep. you know. So, I mean, that's the time you turn to it. When, like Charles was saying, it should be effortless. If you're in the right field, it's something that you don't have to force yourself to do. It's something that you are naturally drawn to, and you get passionate and enjoyment out of. Well, that, I mean, that's I think kind of it to, to, to bring it back to the whole uh, what what makes a successful trainer. Um, what, I think what, what we started talking about the, the business entrepreneurial side, but now I think what we've gotten to is really the most important component, which is in order to be a successful trainer, you you've got to love training you've got to not just enjoy it not just like it, it, it you've got to love it because there's too many people in this industry who like it or are doing it again until something better comes along and that's fine but you know that just means that you're 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 giving the wrong impression for those of us who absolutely love it and live it and and want to push this thing to as far as it'll go and and if you are one of those people, if you are highly passionate and you're willing to learn, then you should start worrying about the business side. Then you start worrying about, you know, uh, NLP or, or sales strategies or online marketing approaches or, you know, the Google metrics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That stuff is the details that will come later, either with yourself or, again, as, as Charles was saying, hiring someone who's better at that than you uh, so they can promote you. But first, be that guy, be the go-to guy or girl that, that everybody comes to, to for help as in this business, for, for, for fitness goals, health and fitness goals. Be that go-to person. Love what you do. Then we can build on it. But until that time, 
and this is this is kind of the 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 flip side of what we've been talking about you know you can be a fantastic marketer and have all the the slickest website and all the greatest materials and whatnot but if you have no substance to deliver then what's the point yeah you know and what do you what are you what are you doing uh, sure your website shows up number 1 on google listings <laughs> but again what what are you going to talk about so that that's that's another that's I mean that's a that's a an issue as well that kind of leads to yet another soapbox. So I'll diverge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean it's, you know, another you know just to to give people analogies they can work off or something. I mean I know for me it was really recently within the past two years and that I started coaching athletes through meets and I noticed that I'd go in there. I do my own meets and I'm okay. I'm not that beat up afterwards. Sure, I'm a little physically tired, but I am. Five times as nervous and five times more wore, wore out after coaching a client through me than I am myself. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm my hair standing on end, and I'm, you know, you got to genuinely care about who you're helping. To, yeah. And, uh, I don't know. and that's what shows through, and that, that's what comes through, uh, you know. And and to, to, to give to give Jillian Michaels some credit, she seems to really care. I can say that much, but not not not. She doesn't care enough not to hurt them, but she cares enough to want to push them. And I guess that's a bonus for her. So I, I you know, give her props for that one. Yeah. Well, guys, I think it was a good show. We're about here to wrap up there. Man, good good topics though. I, I would like to do more business marketing, professional related topics in the future. Mario, we'd love to twist your arm to come back. Absolutely. And, uh, what, just before we hang up, one of the things I wanted to to, uh, to offer, if you want to talk, not talk about this again, is I'm perfectly prepared to go over my entire consultative uh, selling approach um, if, to, to anybody who wants to listen. I, I think it's really kind of neat and effective. Um, it'll be a little challenging to do over uh, over a phone line, but certainly we can do it. Um, and anybody, I mean, you guys, are, feel free to use it. I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to share it. I think it'd be really great. And uh, if somebody can make some money off it, more power to you. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah definitely. Let's let's plan on doing another one. Fantastic. All, All right, right, guys, guys and listeners, sure, thanks guys. everybody for coming. So, Mario, thank you. No, my pleasure, guys. Anytime. Yeah, we'll catch everybody next week. Indeed. All right, take care, everyone.